0: Mac Power Users, episode 460. Casey Liss returns. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd alongside with my pal, David Sparks. Hello, David.
1: Hello, Katie Floyd. How are you today?
0: Oh, it's been a crazy week. But uh, we are back and back to record with you. And I am so excited that we have uh, one of my favorite people on the internet, the uh, podcaster and now YouTuber extraordinaire. uh, Casey List is uh, joining us again for the show. Welcome back, Casey.
2: Hello, thank you for having me. I'm glad this is not a video show because I'd be super beat red right now. That's very kind of you. But, uh, but no, I'm, I'm super honored to be back. Uh, we, were, we were chatting a little bit before the show and, uh, and I'm super honored that I, I was able to get it in under the wire and, and have one more, one more visit while Katie was still around. So uh, congratulations on the, the goings on in your life. Uh, we will miss you, but I am excited to be here.
0: Well, I am I, um, not to say that there are any guests that are more special than others or any people that I want to show more than others. But <laughs> let, let's just say that I, I am aware of, of time that is is winding down. And I've, I've kind of made a list of, of things that I wanted to cover and people that I wanted to talk to one more time. And, and Casey, you were definitely on that list, because I will say that I've kind of always uh, felt that you uh, were a kindred spirit. Um, I, I don't know that we've ever actually met in person, but um, I have uh, listened to you so much on uh atp and on analog and i keep saying uh, one day i think we we hopefully will meet in person because i'm not you know disappearing from real life but i i will be around (laughs) but i'm like you know i i think that casey guy and i are are pretty similar i bet we'd get along
2: so uh i think you're very right and that is extremely kind of you and i feel the same way uh no it's it's funny the the relationships you can build um with 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 Peers and also with just podcasters. So it's, it's, it's odd because I come at this from both a peer level because we're both, you know, part of the same network and, and we've known each other electronically, if you will, for so long. But, but it's also, it's no different for me and you than it is for anyone who may be listening to this. You know, I, I know Katie, but do I really know Katie? Cause we've never met in person. Like how does that, what is the line there? And so it's very funny um, how, how that works, but, uh, but I feel much the same way. And, and I, I am hopeful to have an excuse to uh, visit some family in Florida sometime in the next year. And uh, there may even be a Disney world trip in our future uh, sometime in 2019, you know, because there's only one real Disney property, Katie, and that, and that is world Disneyland is, but a mere rough draft for the, for the final draft that is Disney. Oh, am I right?
1: brother. Oh brother, Are we gonna have to go here.
2: I agree with you completely.
0: Yeah, and I've, I've got uh, I've got a guest bedroom, so yeah, perfect. We'll, yeah. we'll talk about that offline at, at some point. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's very very true, and and I'm I've gotten a lot of that that same response from a lot of people since I've, I've made the announcement that I'm going to be leaving the show at the uh, end of December. If, if that's news to you, uh, go back maybe two episodes. I'm sorry to break it to you that way, but uh, I did make the announcement that I'm leaving the show at the end of December, and I've gotten uh, first off, I want to thank everybody so much for, for your well wishes and the kind words that, that you have said about that. Um, but we want to catch up with Casey because since the last time that uh, we talked to you, it's it's been a while, um, you have uh, decided to Um, I guess I'm going to steal David's phrase and uh, you've decided to become a free agent.
2: Yeah, yeah. I decided that uh, you know, having a steady paycheck and <laughs> healthcare, nobody needs that, right?
1: It's not all it's cracked up to be. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, it, it, it really isn't. But uh, but what I've decided to do is concentrate on podcasting and to some degree, YouTubing, And I think we'll we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, and, and and go out on my own. And that happened. The decision was made in June of this year, of 2018, and it was executed. I think it was the end of July. Uh, no beginning of july that um that uh, that was my last day at my regular job and yeah so a lot has changed i'm looking at my website and it looks like the last time i was on the show was just over two years ago uh in in 2016 that i was on mac power users number 346 and yeah, it's a little bit different now than it was then. So I am now independent. Um, I make most of my money from podcasting and a, 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 an embarrassingly small amount from YouTubing. And I have a couple other things that I'm that I'm sort of working on when I have the time for it. But I'm also just concentrating on being at home for my family. Um, you know, I have a wife and two small children, one of whom is four, and one is turning well one in, <laughs> in January. And so the idea was, hey, while they're Still here at home, though they're not in school all day uh, and while we are lucky enough to be able to have this opportunity let me let me try to not. Work outside of the home for forty hours a week and be more available for the family, you know, while while the kids are here and, and while they're while they're making arguably some of their their most deep like deep memories, you know, of, of their childhood, and you know, I've been telling myself in short that if I can make it until my son and the four year old, if I can make it until he's in kindergarten, then mission accomplished. If I can make it until my daughter uh, is in kindergarten, then at that point, you know, I've basically hit the lottery. And if I need to get a regular job job at that point, assuming I'm still employable, then then I'm fine with that. But if if I can make it for another, you know, I don't know, five years, that would be that would be incredible. And that's that's the plan, man. We'll see how it works out.
0: Well, that may be the initial plan. Um, it, you, you may find that you uh, you like this free agent thing and it may go on a, a lot longer than that. Who knows?
2: Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I'm certainly not looking. I'm not angling to go back to regular work anytime soon, but I'm trying not to count my chickens either. So we'll see.
1: But, but I know that with doing that, and we talked to you about kind of the hippie part of leaving over on free agents, episode 54, but you've also really changed the the nerd side, you know, how you're using your technology, what technology you're using. Um, you know, I think that's always one of the benefits of going on your own is that you get to become the IT manager as well of your life and start making decisions like that. And, um, and just, you're doing so much, Casey. I mean, you, you talk about the fact that you're a podcaster, but you're also, I think, a very good YouTuber. And we're going to put your YouTube um, channel in the links. If you are at all interested in people talking about cars, you're going to enjoy Casey's YouTube channel. And
0: well, can I, before you go there, can I say you may not, because I don't not interested at all in cars, not at all, but I like Casey. So I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm just going to watch his car videos. I, I I drive cars until they're old enough to drive themselves and then some. I mean my my this car that I have <laughs> is fourteen years old and the last car I drove was sixteen years old. And I find myself sitting here watching Casey's car videos going, Huh. Maybe I need to buy a new car.
2: <laughs> yeah. Maybe I need an eighty thousand dollar Alvin Romeo, why not?
0: Yeah. I mean that's pretty nice. So I'm just saying, there's there's a I think there's a disclaimer that should go out there.
1: Well, I, I appreciate it. I don't even have a car and uh Casey and I <laughs> to tell you the truth. In fact when Casey was going through his um I don't know what you'll call it the the emotional journey you went on to buy your most recent car. You and I were texting each other, and I just kept telling you, "Hey man, I just Uber. I don't need a car. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
2: even need it." Yeah.
0: You ended up you ended up getting the Golf, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I got a uh,
2: Volkswagen Golf R. Uh, it's it's a long, long, long story, but the extraordinarily distilled version is I had bought a lightly used BMW 3 Series that that created a world of problems for me, and it was it seemed to be living in the shop and. And I have this very esoteric but particular set of requirements for cars, most of which center around having a manual transmission. And so because of that, my options are extraordinarily limited. And I'm also not made of money, especially since I don't have a regular paycheck anymore. And so I was trying to figure out the best happy medium. And there was a lot of pontificating and, and, and option weighing that happened, particularly on my uh, my primary podcast, the Accidental Tech Podcast. And, and oh, what I ended up doing was buying a Volkswagen Golf R. And one of the videos... In fact, one of the handful of car videos I've done already is of that very car. Not the one I bought, but the, the same make and model uh, in the same year. And it was ba- basically because of that week-long test drive, if you will, that that I convinced myself that that was the car for me. But, but yeah, I've been dabbling in YouTube. Um, the, the, I appreciate the kind words from both of you. Uh, the car videos that I do are basically, if I can get my hands on a car for at least a few hours, preferably a few days, and kind of try to make heads and tails of what is the purpose of the car? You know, what is, it, what is it good at? What is it bad at? And, and what's my take on it? And I, and I like to think of my take as being a little different than what you may have seen in other places because I'm a dad and I have different priorities than a lot of people. Of course, I like power and I like going fast and things of that nature, but I also need to be able to haul two small kids and put two car seats in the car and still put a pack and play and all the various and sundry things that, that especially small children come with and and so I, I like to think that even though i 've been lucky enough to have some pretty wild cars from time to time uh, it's still it 's still done from the lens of a regular person, not somebody who 's driving Lamborghinis on a regular basis and so you know the videos are typically between i don 't know ten and fifteen minutes I, I try to make them as short as I can and never ends up working out but um, but i I like to think they 're at least mildly enjoyable and and certainly if you watch them from. From from the first video to the most recent, I also like to think that the quality has been ramping up pretty dramatically. Um, I think I've, I'm hitting a plateau now, but it went from mildly embarrassing to something I can be proud of. And, and that's that's all you can really ask for, I think.
1: Uh, okay, so he's doing YouTube videos, he's doing podcasts, and then also Casey Liss is still a developer who has his fingers in Xcode, and um, I know you're doing some. I believe you're doing some contracting work, or at least you're keeping your head in the game a little bit.
2: Yeah, a little bit. Uh, less than I less than I expected to. In fact, my my development time has been almost none uh, i did a little teeny bit of contracting work right after I, I left my regular job but i haven't been actively seeking it and thus i haven't really been doing much and and i've been in xcode from time to time but i i was trying to write myself a little like utility app the other day and i realized i hadn't really been in xcode in a long time and and it's because i've been distracted by podcasting and you well distracted maybe isn't the right word for it but busy with uh, podcasting and youtubing and so it occurred to me man i gotta i gotta really get my uh get my muscles from you know back in shape and not let them atrophy any more than they already have Uh, i feel like to some degree if i if i go too much longer i'm gonna lose lose my chops and so it's been wild i went from living in xcode you know 40 plus hours a week every day of my life well you know every weekday of my life to barely opening it now and and i miss it i gotta i gotta get back to that but you know this is a wonderful problem to have that i that i have other things that can fill my time and and do so in such a way that i can provide for my family
1: Well, I'll tell you just from being your friend, I I can tell that you're hustling. And um, I thought it'd be fun to have you back on the show to talk about how are you doing that and what's the tech that's tech, software, hardware, and all that stuff that's working for you to juggle all these bowling pins and and what isn't working for you. So why don't we start um, by just talking about what's your gear these days?
2: Yeah, so the last time we spoke, uh, it was mostly different. I was still probably speaking to you from the exact same Mac. Uh, I have a late 2015 5K iMac uh, that I put 32 gigs of RAM in. It has a terabyte SSD. It still, to my eyes, is perfectly sufficient. Um, I think some of that is ignorance, perhaps, because I have never really used an iMac Pro or anything like that. But For all the things I ask of it, it it does so reasonably quickly, and so I have no real complaints. I also have a uh, a year old, or almost a year and a half now, old uh, MacBook, or as I like to call it, a MacBook Adorable. This is the one-port, 12-inch MacBook. Um, I absolutely loved that little computer so much. Until about a month ago when I got my iPad Pro. And now I cannot stand my poor MacBook Adorable. Oh no. (laughs) Because it is so unbearably slow, which I knew already, but I think my brain felt like it was okay because I had my desktop for when I was doing you know work work and then I had my little laptop for when I wanted to be downstairs on the couch and doing work or if I wanted to go on a trip or something like that and it was okay because it's a portable computer and every portable portable computer's slow right and as it turns out that's not the case and now having had this this iPad Pro which I think we'll talk about a little bit more in a moment having had this iPad Pro for I guess a month now uh, it, it, it has made my adorable feel unusably slow in a lot of circumstances, which is really too bad because I was deeply in love with my with my MacBook. Up until probably three days before I got my iPad Pro, and now I find myself turning to it only when I am in the the rare case where I both cannot accomplish cannot or or cannot quickly accomplish what I want on my iPad, and I don't want to be sitting in my in home office. I want to be somewhere else, be it out of the house or downstairs or whatever the case may be. Um, so I've really I've gone from really not liking iPads at all. To being completely head over heels in love with this iPad Pro, which is a really happy yet uncomfortable
1: place to be. Yes, and that's one of the reasons why we want you on this show. We love we love happy and uncomfortable. <laughs>
0: <laughs> See, you were you were my last holdout, Casey.
2: I know, I know. I was that guy who was like, "Oh, you can't do anything on an iPad Pro. Why would you bother?" Um. So I got a eleven inch uh, 250, 256 gig cellular iPad Pro. Uh, I was lucky enough to be invited to the Brooklyn event in late October and uh, made an insane day trip from Richmond, Virginia, where I live, to Brooklyn and then back again all in one day for reasons that are mostly uninteresting. But let me tell you, it is very uncomfortable, speaking of being uncomfortable, uh, to check in for your return flight before you have actually departed for your outgoing flight, which is what ended up happening that day. Uh, Not the first time it's happened to me, but it is very uncommon and very weird. But I I saw these devices in the hands-on area after the Presentation and pretty much immediately knew that I that I had gadget lust. Whether or not it would actually find a place in my working life was you know to be determined. But I had to have one, and you know I I had this kind of meandering path through the iPad, if you will. I, I didn't really understand the point at when the, when they initially came out, and then my parents got one. They got a cellular one, and I was using it in my house shortly after they got one, and I was using like the Gmail web interface, which. You know, Google being a web company, especially back then, was very quick to get the Gmail web interface, you know, up to snuff for the iPad and, and Safari on the iPad, and it was phenomenal. And it occurred to me, well, maybe this iPad thing ain't so bad. And so I ended up buying one. I bought a Wi-Fi uh, original iPad. Then I got the first Retina iPad, and then I got the first Retina iPad Mini, and then I got the most recent. To this day, iPad mini, even though that was like three years ago now, almost three and a half, I think. Um, And then I mostly fell out of love with it. Maybe that's because I had an iPad mini. I don't know. But I I really hadn't touched my iPad mini for at least a couple of years. Uh, And then, you know, when the iPad pros came out at that point, I was like, well, I already have an iPad and it doesn't really work for me. So it's not my thing. Uh, But it turns out, which everyone else knew but me, when you attach a keyboard to the iPad so that text entry is not a royal pain in the hindquarters, that totally changes the way the device is. Also, having one that's modern and fast also (laughs) helps as well. But, yeah, I I used to be one of those people that just really didn't get the iPad. And now there are still things that bother me about it for sure, but I feel like I get the iPad a lot more now than I have in a long, long time.
1: Oh, well, we've got a whole segment on that later because I want to hear what you like and what you don't like, uh, because I think you've got a unique perspective because not, you've are not you not always been an iPad true believer, and uh, suddenly there are some things you like about it. So I definitely want to hear about that later. Um, any other Apple hardware that you use daily?
2: Yeah, I still have a Series 3 uh, Apple Watch. I really want a Series 4, uh, but I can't bring myself to just go and get one especially because you know spending money frivolously is not something i should ever do but particularly not now and then i have an iphone 10 i don't have a 10s for the uh, same exact reason i want one uh but the the upgrade particularly in the case of the iphone i I know the camera is way better but um i i have a a micro four thirds a quote unquote big camera that i use anytime i'm intending to take pictures you know it's not one of those situations where oh look the kid just did something funny quick grab your phone you know if it's any if it's even mildly intentional i'm using my big camera and so uh i did not buy a 10s i surely will buy whatever the next one is and i did not buy series four even though uh i want one pretty badly but we'll see if it actually happens anytime soon but uh other than that i think that's Basically, in terms of Apple stuff, I'm sure there's something I'm forgetting. But uh, in terms of Apple stuff, that's most of it. In terms of YouTube stuff, there's obviously a whole bunch of various and sundry equipment I use, but we can get to that later.
0: This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Away. Away is the perfect gift for anyone on your holiday list. They make smart premium suitcases so your luggage doesn't have to cost more than your plane ticket. And it's what you need most while traveling. You need more battery power. And when you buy an Away suitcase, you can charge all of your devices when you travel. Both of their size carry-ons feature USB ports with a battery large enough to charge your iPhone up to five times. And if you go to awaytravel.com MPU now and browse away suitcases, you'll find that they feature their premium German polycarbonate, which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistant, but yet still lightweight. You can choose from over 10 colors in five sizes. There's the aptly named carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium, the large, and the kids carry-on for those smaller travelers among us. And they cut out the middleman, so you can get first-class luggage at coach prices. Away suitcases have a patent-pending compression system, which is great if you're an overpacker, which I might admit is a problem that I have. So they also have those four 360-degree spinner wheels. And if you have not had a suitcase that has the 360-degree four spinner wheels, you have not lived going through an airport yet. Uh, with Away travel carry-ons, uh, there is, uh, they are all compliant with the major U.S. airlines while still maximizing the amount you can pack. And again, they also all feature that removable battery, that washable laundry bag. So you too can separate your clean clothes for your worn ones you have got to check out the Away Travel Bag. Um, It is simply the smartest suitcase that is on the market. It is sleek, it is fashionable, and it is perhaps the most practical bag that that you can buy. And the next time I'm in the market for another bag, it's probably going to be in Away as well. Uh, That's what I recommend to my friends and family. Um, Away believes in the quality of their products. That's why they're offering a lifetime guarantee. If anything breaks, they'll fix it or replace it for life. They also give you a free 100-day trial, no question questions asked, return policy, and of course, free shipping on any order within the lower 48 states of the United States. And because it's the season where everyone wants to get an away or give an away, you should go to awaytravel.com slash MPU. And if you go to use the coupon code MPU at checkout, you'll get $20 off any of their suitcases. Again, that's awaytravel.com slash MPU and use code MPU for $20 off. Thank you so much to away for their support of the show and all of Relay FM.
1: All right, Casey. We um, since we already started talking about the iPad, let's 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 get into that for a minute. Um, A a couple questions on your buying decisions. Uh, I noticed, first of all, uh, you went eleven inch versus
2: twelve point nine. Yeah, I'm ninety eight percent sure that that was the correct decision. <laughs> there's a little part of me. It's hard, right? That, there's a little part of me that wonders if maybe the, the, the uh, effectively 13 would have been a better choice. Uh, the, the thought process there. No, or, I,
0: I feel like you made the
2: right decision. Yeah, I, I think I did. The thought process was, you know, A, I'm used to the iPad mini. Uh, B, well, to some degree anyway. B, the MacBook that I love so much is 12 inches. And I, and I know that's basically sitting directly in the middle. But the reason I loved and still to some degree love my my MacBook so darn much is because of how portable it is and that it is so light and so thin and I can bring it with me in situations where maybe you wouldn't expect to bring a computer. And I felt like I wanted to get as close to that in spirit if not in execution as I possibly could and so uh, I thought the 11 inch was the right answer plus it was a lot of money I mean the, the I did not get a pencil um I'm hoping that maybe Santa will uh, bring one for for Christmas for me uh but nevertheless I got you know the the 11 inch in the middle storage tier with cellular And with a keyboard with the smart keyboard folio and it's all in, it was like $1,300 or something like that, which is a lot of money. I mean, this is computer territory and and I felt like that was the best happy medium on basically all fronts. However, there are definitely times when I'm running two things side by side and I see like the little compact, uh, you know, version of Safari, if you will. And, and, and I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, man, I know on the 13 inch, this would be like a full on second iPad app, you know, two iPad apps side by side. And I can see how appealing that would be. And, if I stick with this iPad and use it as much as I've been using it lately, you know, if if I'm falling in love rather than just deeply in lust, if you will, then maybe if I do when when I do another iPad, you know, to replace this one, maybe I will get the, the uh, 13 inch. But sitting here now, like Katie said, I, I think this was the right call and the right fit for me.
1: Yeah, it's such a hard call, but I, I do think now that they've got so much closer with Apple reducing the footprint of the big one and increasing the sc- size, screen size of the small one, I think us nerds need to stop beating ourselves up. Just follow your gut, pick pick one, and just go with it. You're fine. I mean, um, the, uh, and then you've got cellular, which I don't think you were, you're reading uh, back your prior iPads. I don't know. Have you ever owned a cellular one before and what made you decide to do cellular this time?
2: Yeah, so my big iPads, the initial one and the iPad with Retina, the very first iPad with Retina, were not cellular. And a part of me always regretted that. I never really felt like it was do or die, but both of my iPad minis had cellular, and they were extremely convenient to have cellular on. And this was during the time where if you got a T-Mobile SIM for like 10 bucks, they would give you 200 megabytes of data every month for free. Now that sounds like almost nothing, but as long as you're smart enough not to like watch YouTube on cellular, if you're just browsing Twitter, checking email, even looking at the web to some degree, 200 megs of data can actually last a month. You know, if you're, you don't have to be super frugal about it, but as long as you're smart, you you can you can make 200 megs of data last a month pretty pretty easily. And that deal doesn't exist anymore, but that that made it fantastic to have cellu- these cellular devices. And I've actually never ever ever hooked up any of my iPads to my actual phone plan because I've never really felt the need. And the way I've replaced the now gone 200 meg free plan on T-Mobile is at least once and possibly even as many times as you want. T-Mobile in the US offers, I'm going to get the details wrong, but I believe it's three gigs for $10 And 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 the plan lasts something like five months. So over five months. I can use up to 3 gigs and it's a one-time fee of $10. And here again, it's not the sort of thing where I can just sit there watching YouTube in the car while Aaron drives, you know, or something like that. But if I want to just get on Twitter or send a few emails or something like that and don't want to bother tethering, it is more than enough data to make that work. And and it is super duper convenient. And yes, before you've experienced a cellular iPad, you you scoff and say, "Oh, you spoiled brats! Why wouldn't you just tether? It's so easy. You don't even have to touch your phone to get tethering to work." Well, yes, that's true usually, but it's still just so nice and convenient to base to just have the internet connection right there in your iPad. And if I wasn't so cheap, I would just add it to my AT and T plan. But I don't want to spend ten dollars a month every month or whatever the cost is when. I don't really need that much data on this thing, generally speaking. And if I really do want to sit there and just camp on YouTube, I don't mind tethering. If that's the case, but that's such a rare use case for me, where I'm just used, just slurping data like that, that I think that this is a really nice happy medium. And I and I'm willing to pay the one hundred or one hundred fifty dollars, whatever the, the initial purchase price penalty is, in order to have that convenience and the option to add it to my AT and T plan if I so desire.
0: I was going to ask you about that. It, so I guess first off, I would have probably liked an option like this, except T-Mobile just has a horrific coverage in where I live. So I think your your mileage may vary depending on, you know, the coverage of your, your various providers. So that, that was not an option for me. Um, and it sounds like you've researched this, but it The option is once you're not locked into a carrier with the Apple SIM, once you you pick a provider, or is it just you're not locked into T-Mobile once you pick T-Mobile? Do you know
2: how that works? Have you done any research on that? I have, but my data is old. It's like two years old now. But the way it used to be is that I believe as long as you didn't choose AT&T on the Apple SIM... The, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is right. As long as you didn't choose AT&T and the Apple SIM, it would remain unlocked. But the moment you went AT&T, that is a good point I had forgotten about. At The moment you go AT&T, then it would lock to AT&T, and you would have to get another SIM either from Apple or from another carrier, in order to switch to that carrier. Uh, I don't know if that's still the case, so please check my math on that. But that was the case when the Apple SIM was brand new. Um, but again, in my case, you know, I, typically what I do is I'll use this T-Mobile thing, either in the past the free 200 megs or now this, this plan that they have, um, and then if I go on a trip say to WWDC or something like that, I'll just prepay for, you know, a week or a month or whatever and get a few gigs of data just for that duration of time. And that to me works out nicely because even if I spend 20 30 bucks on, you know, whatever that amount of data or that amount of money gives me in terms of data, then I I pay for it during the time I need it, you know, say when I'm in California for dub dub, and then I'm not paying for it any other time. And again, I don't need I don't do enough media consumption via cellular on my iPad to justify adding it to my big boy phone plan, or at least that's the way I look at it. Uh, certainly, money no object. That would be more convenient. I'm not taking that away from anyone, and I, I suspect David, that's exactly what you do. But uh, but because I'm a cheap, you know, a cheap wimp, I, I try to I try to do I try to kind of balance as best I can.
1: Well, I mean, I think it just depends what you do. Like, when I when I was carrying a laptop around all the time, I just would tether my iPad whenever I needed an internet connection. But for some time now, I just use an iPad. I don't have a laptop. And I go into many meetings with my iPad. And it, you're right. it I know it's a um, just a little bit of extra friction to get it on the internet. But sometimes it just doesn't get on the internet. And it, it sure is nice having a computing device that you just turn on and it's connected to the internet. So... Uh, so I, I pay the ten dollars a month, and I'm I'm happy to do so. But but I use it every day and and often away from home. What did you end up doing, Katie?
0: So I ended up, which is new for me. I've never done this before. I ended up paying the ten dollars a month, which, like Casey. I didn't want to do. I mean, this is something that just is goes against every fiber in my being. But the the T Mobile plan wasn't wasn't the option for me. So, uh, harken back to our last episode. My life is a subscription. I'm now going through my subscription spreadsheet, going where can I shave ten dollars off? Because I need to come back net neutral on that. So
1: <laughs> we'll see. So so Casey, you went to the event for the new iPads, which was you know you know you you, you jumped right into the deep end of the Apple reality distortion field you know, you're in the room, you, you, they've got, you know, everything perfectly lit. They've got the devices set up perfectly. So of course you're going to look at them that first time and say, I must have this. But then I always think, you know, someone like you, who's not traditionally an iPad guy, um, you know, are you going to have regrets in a week or two? Um, were you worried about that? And, and when you got it, what were your initial impressions and how has the thing either grown on you or grown away from you in a month or two now you've had it?
2: Yeah. You know, I, I, I think I said earlier I, I felt deeply in lust with it the moment I saw one, and the industrial design with the the flat sides and and just having that effectively edged edge screen, I love it so much. I love the return of the flat sides. I hope that this is the iPhone design language for next year. I'm skeptical, but I hope it is. Uh, and and so I you know got one. Uh, I think it was the day it was released. It was certainly within a day or two of when it when it came out, and it was interesting because my i my ipad mini 4th gen which was the most recent one i had which was uh, i think it was new in 2015 if i'm not mistaken that did do multitasking but between the fact that it had such a small processor or such such a small, small screen i'm sorry and and such a slow processor these you know years later multitasking was never that great on it i just never really got into it. And I'm not even sure. I think I had iOS 12 on it, but it might've even been like an old beta because I just never touched the thing. And so I say all this to, to say that I never really learned how to multitask on the iPad. Like I knew the general gist behind it, but I'd never really done it. I'd never had the occasion to. And even when I had the occasion to, it was on this little tiny iPad that really isn't meant for it. And so one of the things that was a little bit frustrating at first was figuring out how do you even do work on an iPad? And I don't mean that flippantly. I just mean to say how does multitasking work? You know, how do I get slide over to work the way I want? How do I get two things on the screen at once? What happens if I need if I'm looking at an app full screen and I want to put something beside it? but it's not in my doc. How do I do that? And I actually asked, you know, our mutual friend, uh, Mike Hurley, how does this work? And he said, no, no. Well, he said it much more gently than this, but in effect he said, no dummy, you spotlight and that's how you do it. Um, But it was stupid stuff like that, that I just never learned. I never, never needed to know. And so at first I definitely felt like I was walking uphill with it and trying, trying to force myself to just figure out how it works and I think that was kind of stage one. And then stage two was, I don't know if unlearning is the right way to phrase it, but but rewiring my brain to think of things differently and, and accomplish things differently on the iPad. So a great example of this is I was so used to, and it was so ingrained in me, to move data between apps by way of the share sheets you know so you know you you have a little box with the arrow coming out and then you choose the other app you want to put the data in and that and that's how you share stuff because i was coming at it from as an i as an iphone user and that's basically the only way to share data on an iphone or at least in most cases anyway and then it. I had to remind myself, no, you dummy. That's what drag and drop is for. And I'm still not super great with it. And sometimes I, like, I'll like i drag, say, something out of Safari and, and maybe I'll get a URL when I want the title or maybe I'll get the title when I want the URL or whatever the case may be. But uh, I'm still learning. But it took me kind of rewiring my brain and figuring out, OK, I'm extremely proficient on a Mac and I'm pretty darn proficient on an iPhone. But this is neither of those things. And I think my brain initially wanted to treat it as either a Mac or an iPhone, depending on the context of what I was doing. And, and it took a little while to get myself to the point that I understood, okay, this is a new paradigm and you need to treat it as such. And then things really started to click. And now I find myself enjoying getting things done on my iPad in ways that I don't necessarily enjoy them on the Mac and this is a this is a story that Mike has been telling for years, you know, Mike Hurley is one of the biggest proponents that I'm aware of of you can do real work on an iPad and in fact he does real work on his iPads because he's a multi iPad kind of guy and. You know, it took a long time for me to really and truly understand what he was saying. But yeah, I can't think of a specific example, but there, well, how about uh, doing the show notes? Like, you, you know, you guys shared with me the Google Doc that you use to kind of keep track of what you're going to talk about in the show. And in the past, I would have absolutely grabbed my Adorable. And I probably still would have been a little bit faster on a, on a Mac to do this. But it's not as much fun to be on a Mac and do these sorts of things. And that's been a very, very weird uh, realization for me to come to that in, in a lot of ways, I just enjoy being on iOS more.
1: Yeah. You know, I think that's really hitting the nail on the head because for me, There's a certain amount of delight that comes with working on an iPad. And I think part of it is just like going back to the 2001 movie and, and like living the, you know, living your best life, you know, having this piece of glass, that's your computing device. And if you get a, if Santa brings you a pencil, you're going to find that even if you're not uh, an artist use the pencil for all sorts of user interface stuff, it just makes that even easier. Um, But then you do things like somebody sends you an email with an attachment and you want to save the attachment to somewhere in iCloud. No, I mean, they made it easier. But just like just today, I was dealing with this. But I you know, I want to create a folder. Somebody sends me a contract, client sends me a contract. I have a, a folder for that client where I keep all the contracts I work on. And every time I, it's with a new vendor, I create a new folder. You can't do that on the iPad. If you're going to, you're going to iCloud, there's just no way to do it. It's like Apple hasn't got around to yet putting the button in there that says new folder i mean that's in the save dialogue box on the mac and it's not in the save dialogue or the 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 version of a save dialogue on an ipad so it's like it adds a, a you know another degree of difficulty to get that done and that's the thing that makes all these people write these articles about how the ipad's unused you know useless and no good for work it's because there's all these little friction points but there is an underlying delight to using the device that you really it's hard to nail down but it actually makes it more fun to do the stuff and um i think a lot of us struggle between those two um th- those two points yeah very much
2: so and, and the perfect example to me of this like annoying friction point that i don't feel like has to be there is that, you know, I mentioned earlier I have a quote unquote big camera. It's an Olympus micro four thirds camera and it takes photos onto an SD card. And I have a USB C SD card reader that I had used with my MacBook. And I was thinking, you know, hey, this is this iPad is the perfect device to use to look through the pictures I've taken and delete the ones that are blurry and delete the ones that are trash and, and, and just leave behind on the card, the ones that, that I really love. And then I will take the card to a Mac and I will use this crazy workflow, including a custom app that I've written in order to suck those into my like photos repository. But that first stage where I'm just going through the card and getting rid of all the junk this is the perfect device to do it on. It's got this beautiful screen. I can interact with it directly. I can touch. I can zoom. I can, I can do everything right on the device. This is going to be perfect. And so I get my SD card reader. I attach it to the device. It immediately loads all the pictures on the SD card and photos. So far, so good. And then I want to zoom in on one of them. Well, tough noggies. You have to import it. Okay, what if I want to delete one of them? Well, that's fine, except that... It's only going to delete the JPEG and I shoot my photos in JPEG and RAW. So it's like all these little things that just frustrate the snot out of me because this this is the perfect device to go through my photos and and, and call the ones I don't need. It would be so magical to be able to do that and use this magical USB-C port, which, yes, has a lot of pain points to it as well. But in this case, is perfect. But the device doesn't do it. And I know that this is like the... The very tired argument that so many people are making right now: yes, the hardware is beautiful, but the software stinks. And I'm not saying the software stinks, but I am saying there are places that it lets me down, and that really bums me out.
1: Although I have to say, I was listening to a recent episode of ATP, where somehow you got on your Photos workflow, and I have no <laughs> sympathy for you, Casey. Just, it's not <laughs> as
2: bad as it sounds. I don't think I did a good job of presenting it. I need. To, I, there's a blog post. I, there. I
1: don't. I don't think you did either. Because it sounds crazy to me. Yeah, it's it's
2: really not that bad. There's not that many moving parts. It's just I'm as with all things. I'm extraordinarily particular about the way things are, and which is funny because I think of the three of us on ATP, I'm the most loosey goosey of all of us. But nevertheless, I I just have a way I want things to end up, and. There's not that many moving parts, but but pretty much all of them are non-negotiable, and that's where I think the pain comes. So it's it's very much a self-created problem. But
0: I feel like it's going to come bite you in in the end.
2: Well, well, I hope not. I, I think it, well, it's already biting me in the sense that that I don't really have a good answer for. I don't have a good answer for a front end to my photos. So the the extraordinarily abridged version, if you're not an ATP listener, is that I have a network attached storage. I have a Synology that is my canonical uh, photo repository. To me, that Synology and the files therein are my photos. And yes, I have have that backed up to CrashPlan, and I have that backed up uh, via a physical drive that I take off-site, but... That the Synology is my one true repository. And up until recently, I was using Google Photos in order to be not only a, a kind of a poor man's backup, but also as a really nice front end so I can search my photos and look at galleries and make albums and things of that nature. But for reasons that are not interesting, but you can always listen to ATP if you want to hear me go on and on and on about it, <laughs> the, the Google Photos uh, uploader doesn't really work for me anymore. And so now I don't really have a good mechanism for getting particularly the, the pictures taken on my big camera into Google Photos. And so now I'm trying to figure out what to do. And I can't really use iCloud Photo Library for, again, reasons that are not terribly pertinent for the purposes of the show. And and I'm just not sure where what the answer is, and all of the options I have in front of me are stinky in various ways. It's just a matter of how stinky, and so I, I think that it's already starting to bite me to some degree. But I am currently unwilling to cede control of my photo library and just trust either iCloud photo library or trust Google photos to just be the canonical version of my photos. And because of that, because I'm so petulantly insisting on being the keeper of all these files, I am creating a bit of a mess for myself.
1: I feel like case anytime you have to manage your personal data by writing your own app, I feel like you need to like reconsider, just take a step back. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. And, and I mean for, for the purposes of, of MPU listeners, basically that app looks at all the files on my SD card or any other folder on my computer. And it will look into each of these photographs and figure out when would, when was this picture taken? And it will then rename that, that file from p1234567.jpg to 2018-11-03 space 15-45-23. In other words, the date and time that the picture was taken. And then it will move all of these files into a folder structure which is 2018 slash 11 uh for for november of this year and it will put all of them in the appropriate folder structure so there's no there's not really any magic happening and i could probably do the same thing with like hazel or something like that
1: if i'm honest that's like a two-step hazel script i, I didn't realize it was that simple i i thought you were doing something more fancy than that.
2: well the 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 magic in it is that it it can read this data not only from images but from videos as well, and it also has like seven different places that it will try to find when a picture was taken or a video was, was created and so if the the standard place within exif data where you see the the date created if that isn't there but for some reason some other field is it will you know kind of have this cascading search of okay I can't find it here in this photo but I can't find it there either but I can't find it oh but this one this fourth tier option that one does have a date and that that'll be the canonical date for this particular photograph. And so there is a little bit of of secret sauce in there, but not that much. And, and surely if, like I said, I could probably write a, well, I certainly could write a shell script or, or something like that, but I think even something like Hazel could probably do it if I really wanted it to.
1: This episode of the Mac power users is brought to you by our friends at Luna display. Have you ever looked at your iPad and wish you could use it as a second display for your Mac? Luna Display lets you do just that. And it makes sense, right? Your iPad already has a gorgeous display, and you can always use some extra space when working from your Mac. Luna Display provides crystal clear image quality, reliable performance, and wireless flexibility. You just pop in the little piece of hardware into your Mac, and you're good to go. And if you don't have access to Wi Fi connections, no worries, you can just connect with USB. When using Luna Display, you can set up your workspace anywhere, so you can be productive at the office, in the studio, or on the go. You can even take it on trips with you. You get more screen real estate without the expense of buying a new screen. A lot of people travel with a laptop and an iPad, while the Luna Display allows you to have a secondary monitor now with your laptop. Luna also acts as a complete extension to your Mac. It's going to support your external keyboard as well as your Apple pencil and touch interactions. So you can interact with your Mac with a swipe of a finger. As we're sitting here recording the show, I've actually got the Luna display connected to my Mac because it's giving me the recording data and the audio levels as we make the podcast. I like having that stuff on a separate screen and my brand new iPad Pro is perfect for this job with the Luna display. Listeners of Mac Power Users can get an exclusive ten percent on Luna Display. Just just go to lunadisplay.com and enter the promo code Power. That's P-O-W-E-R at checkout to get your ten percent off. That's lunadisplay.com and promo code Power at checkout. Our thanks to Luna Display for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Casey, let's get it back to the iPad for a minute now. So now that you you're starting to uh, live the iPad lifestyle, where does the MacBook adorable fit in your life?
2: You're going to make me cry. Uh, (laughs) I I don't know. You know, and I mean, I I already kind of answered this question, but there's more to it than than what I said earlier. I mean, the the direct answer to your question is when I need a computer and I don't want to be sitting at my desk. I mean that is the obvious well well I now now I'm implying that the iPad isn't a computer but you you get
1: what I'm driving at. Sure. Like file management stuff. Yeah, like that. exactly.
2: Yeah. So, as an example, if I want to go through my photos and don't want to be doing that at my desk, I can do all of that photo management stuff that I do on my iMac, I can do that on my MacBook adorable. But nevertheless, there's less there's a less obvious space in my world and in my workflow for a portable Mac than there's ever been before. And that makes me kind of sad because I do love this thing. I mean, it is slow and it is expensive. I don't remember what I paid for it, but it was a lot of money. Um, And I I do love this thing so much, but I just don't really feel like I need it near as much as I used to. And in the grand scheme of things, that is a just magnificent problem to have. Well, of my two portable computers, this new shiny one is more new and more shiny and in some ways more fun than the one that I got just a year and a half ago. Like what what kind of a what what, what kind of a first world problem is this if I'm honest. But it just kind of makes me sad cuz I do love this adorable so darn much, but I just don't find myself using it very much anymore. And it's I use it, you know, a handful of times each week. But the other the other interesting thing which kind of I think answers the question why, do I, why I don't pay $10 a month for, you know, AT&T to have my iPad on on their plan and also why I can get by with a MacBook Adorable and not like a MacBook Pro or something is that for my jobs, if you can call them call it more than one, if I'm recording a podcast, I'm going to do that on my iMac, which is exactly what I'm doing right now. If I'm creating a video, unless I have a compelling reason to do it out of the house, I'm going to do that on my iMac. And just about everything else that I do is relatively straightforward and can be done on either of my portable devices. And so at that point, I would probably just choose the iPad. You know, nine times out of ten. Now, if I start doing, if I start getting deeply into development work again, be it for myself or, or for contracting or whatever the case may be, that will dramatically change the math on this problem. And in fact, that would dramatically ramp up the amount of time I would I would use my MacBook. But as it stands today, where I'm doing very little development and a whole lot of media creation, there's little need for a traditional computer. And I can do plenty, little need for a traditional computer when I'm not actively editing or actively recording a podcast. And in that case, I can just use the iPad.
1: What's the thing that makes you the most crazy about using your iPad? You know, what's the roadblock you hit most often?
2: uh as as stated before not having a real ability to do file management but even if well that's not even entirely true if i could just do photo management the way i want which i don't i don't think it's too much to ask just to be able to zoom in on a photo on a sd card and not have to import it onto the device and be able to delete you know both uh jpegs and raws on the card if i'm if i if i so desire just doing that sort of stuff would would be extremely cool the other thing that's happened over the last few weeks is uh, an unbelievably talented developer whose uh, name is, is, escapes me and I'm very sorry, but somebody has come up with ISH is the name of the app. And what it basically is, is virtualizing a Linux computer and really the shell on the iPad, so you can get a full Linux shell on your iPad without jailbreaking or doing anything like that. And the good news is, you can you can enroll in the test flight. Uh, we'll I'll make sure that Katie and David put a link in the show notes. You can enroll in the test flight, and you can get this installed without having to worry about you know Apple getting in the way, and you don't have to pay anyone anything. And The bad news is twofold. One, it shows me how amazing it would be to have, you know, command line access to the underlying system that is the iPad. And I understand why Apple doesn't do that. It makes perfect sense. And I don't think they should do that. But oh, my goodness, it would be so convenient. And additionally... Uh, it's shown me that this virtualized version of Linux that I- ISH has to do because of the limits of, of you know I- iOS apps, it is so unbearably slow to do anything more than basic shell scripting and things like that. So Federico Vatici and I, speaking of people who really like the iPad, uh, we've been going back and forth talking about how we can say download a YouTube video for for posterity's sake or something like that. And we would love to be able to do that on the iPad. And there's a tool called YouTube DL that lets you do these sorts of things from the command line. I've written about it on my website. Um, and it's a magical tool, but uh it, it it falls short on the iPad because it also relies on another tool called FFmpeg to do some post processing. And FFmpeg doesn't really work on ISH. And even when it does work, it is so heinously slow because it's a virtualized version of Linux that it's basically unusable. And so I feel like ISH has shown me both the promised land and has taken it all away from me all at the same time. And it's a real bummer. But it's things like that that no, no regular person would ever want to do with an iPad. But as a developer, I would... Kill to be able to do this stuff on my iPad, and and in a lot of cases I just can't, and it really bums me out. So what I what would I change? I would love access to the underlying you know terminal uh, stuff that I can do on a Mac, but I can't do on iOS.
1: It definitely seems like Apple is like turning up the intensity on the iPad with this new hardware, which is I think everybody agrees is pretty amazing. But then it there are silly things like the inability to create a folder when you want to save a document, and it's like. How is that still a problem? And uh, I'm I'm super curious to see what happens next year at WWDC.
2: Yeah, me too. And everyone's been saying that. And my money says they're going to come through with it. I think that Iowa 13 or whatever they call it is going to be really incredible. But, oh, boy, there's going to be a lot of angry people and a lot of angry podcasters if it's not (laughs) because everyone's waiting on it.
1: Well, I think they're going to come through with something. I don't think we're going to – I don't think they're going to come through with everything.
0: <laughs> it's-, it, it, it's going to be like anything. Apple does this in baby steps. You're, you're going to get some uh, – My my guess, I know nothing, but I think you're going to get some file access, but I don't think you're going to get – to do everything that you want to do. Maybe, maybe you'll be able to access some USB drives or maybe you'll you'll have some limited file access or some improvements to the files app. But but I don't think you're gonna be able to get down deep and, and manage your photos like you want to. I don't think you're gonna get the the true raw support that you want. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's gonna be everything that you want. I think it's probably gonna be a long time before we we see things like SSH access and even truly being able to develop an Xcode on on an iPad. Um, I I I don't know. I don't know if maybe there's a different path that things are going to go down and
2: we'll see. Development's a weird thing. You know, there's Swift Playgrounds which is actually incredibly full featured for kind of just playing around with stuff, hence the name. Uh but I you can't really develop an app with Sw- with the Swift Playgrounds app. And so it it makes me wonder what is what is the way forward here and what's what's Apple going to do. And I was listening I believe it was on Upgrade that uh, Jason and Mike, or maybe it was uh, the the episode that John Syracuse had guested on. But anyway, somebody was talking about—I'm pretty sure on Upgrade—about you know maybe there'll be something that's that's like an Xcode V next, and it's it it doesn't look like Xcode of today. It maybe won't even work like Xcode of today, but will nevertheless allow you to create an iOS app on the iPad and. I don't feel like that's a need I really have. You know, if I want to develop an app, I want to do that on the biggest screen I can, which is my iMac, and I want to do that with a full-size keyboard and and so on and so forth. But you never say never. It could be pretty nice to have that, especially in such a wonderful mobile, you know, platform. So, I don't suspect to to your point Katie. I don't suspect that, that we're going to hear answers about Xcode anytime soon. But I can't help but wonder, and certainly SSH access, I don't think we'll get any time. I don't think we'll ever get that, to be honest, in iOS. But again, you know, you never never really say never. And Apple is getting very serious about the iPad as a real honest-to-goodness computing powerhouse. And so we'll see what iOS 13 and, and versions thereafter bring. It's, it's an exciting time to be an iPad fan.
1: Yeah, my, I was talking on the show a few weeks ago. My two-year-old niece thinks that the Fire... Um, that the fire alarm in her bedroom is an okay Google installation because <laughs> you know, why not? You know, she's used to talking and having things roughly circular in size talking back to her. She's, she's growing up to her. That is normal. That is not the weird thing. And we're the weird people that don't understand that's normal. And it makes me think like when Devin grows up and, you know, and he wants to be a computer programmer He's not necessarily going to understand you do it the same way that you grew up being a programmer. And um, it's just lots of interesting things coming up. On the development side, um, what are your thoughts? Because you, you do iOS programming and you are connected in this world. Where do you think this whole marzipan thing, since we're talking about WWDC six months in advance, um, the, the idea of bringing iOS apps over to Macs, do you have uh, strong feelings about that? or?
2: Uh. Yeah. You know, I have, I'm, I'm two faced about this. So, Exactly half of me thinks that this is going to ruin the Mac, and none of these you know, faux Mac apps are going to respect the Mac as a platform, and they're all going to be trash. And certainly you look at the stuff that's in uh, Mojave and, and stuff like the Home app and the News app, and the Stocks app, I believe, is also Marzipan, and and they're not really good Mac apps. They, they don't follow the paradigms well. The the menu bar is kind of an afterthought, and it's just kind of weird but at the same time it's seeming more and more obvious that the Mac is does not have really anyone's attention the way it used to certainly not developers and because of that you know because all of the action is on iOS it also seems like Marzipan which will in short make it considerably easier to move an iOS app onto the Mac it's It certainly makes me think that, oh, this would be pretty awesome if we got an influx of really nice new Mac apps, even if they kind of feel a little bit uncomfortably like iOS apps, a slightly weird looking and feeling iOS app is better than no app, right? Of course, this is where people start chanting Electron from the back of the room. But uh, nevertheless, Um, I, I feel like. It could be good, and it could be terrible, and only time will tell which one it will be. And to be honest, the smart money says it'll be a little bit of both. But I'm excited for it. I'm interested in it. And and I think that the story behind it, especially as a developer, is going to be really fascinating how Apple bridges the gap between these two kind of incoherent, or maybe that's not the right word for it, but these two very, very different worlds.
1: Uh, I'm really interested to see what the difference is between once they start shipping this system, and for the listeners who haven't heard about this, Apple announced in 2018 that they're gonna have a system that they're going to release in 2019 that allows you to take an iOS app for your iPhone or your iPad, push some buttons, and then have it run on a Mac, which will bring a lot of iOS apps over to the Mac. Um, The apps they released as demonstrations, such as the Home app on your Mac now, the News app, the Stocks app. They're not real impressive. So I'm just super curious to see what the difference is in a year when they really put this thing in the wild. Are they going to be the same apps where we have like the iOS date picker showing up on our Mac or are they going to be more good citizens on the Mac? And I think that to me is going to be a real big decision, a determinator as as how well this goes.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I mean, as with all things, you know, if you if you give people if you give somebody the ingredients for chocolate chip cookies, you know, a, a decent cook can make delicious chocolate chip cookies, and I would burn them and make them terrible. So, you know, to some degree, it's up to the developers to to do to do right by the platform and and make smart decisions. But nevertheless, it is also, you know, the plenty of rope with which to make a noose. <laughs> and so it, it, it it's going to be really fascinating to see how that plays out and to see what Mac users as a, a, on the whole will accept as enough, you know, is, is just kind of pushing two buttons and throwing something over the wall enough or Mac users going to, to kind of uh, poo poo anything that hasn't had some real thought put into it. And I don't know. We'll see. this episode of Mac power users is brought to you in part by our friends over at hover.
0: Building an online identity has never been more important. And with Hover, you can find the domain name that shows the world who you are and what you're passionate about. So I have to admit, I have registered a few domain names in my time. Uh, Domain names associated with me, associated with projects that I've been interested in, associated with my business. Um, Domain names help tell the story of who I am and what I'm interested in. And I have always taken a look at Hover for my domain names. In fact, I have registered domain names at other places before. And as soon as I learned about Hover... and realized how easy and fast it was to register a domain name at Hover. Uh, I never went back. In fact, I took all of the domain names that I had collected at all the various websites, transferred them into Hover, and they make that process so simple. So why do I use Hover? Uh, first off, it's very easy. You can go on, you can find a domain name that you're interested in, uh, to pick a topic, pick a phrase, pick a word, search for a domain name, and it will give you all the relevant choices that you need. Uh, and when you find the domain name which you want, this is my favorite feature. They don't. to upsell you on a bunch of other stuff they just give you what you need if you want to add other stuff like email or connect a different website or service they can do all that for you but they don't make it crazy like on some other sites i would go and i would go buy a domain name because it was cheap and it was going to be 15 bucks a year or whatever and then i'd get to the final cart to check out and all of a sudden i was spending you know 80 or 90 bucks a year and only to find out that i had accidentally forgotten to unclick a bunch of other junk stuff Um, Hover can also um, be your one-stop shop for all of your domain stuff, whether it's adding email, uh, whether it's connecting your various websites. They have great customer service teams that will walk you through everything you need and a whole lot of tutorials. So I have found everything that I need with Hover to get my website online, to get websites for various sites and services that I use online, and to get a bunch of groups that I'm involved with to help them get websites online. It has just been really, really easy. So if you want to show the world what you're passionate about, Hover is there to help you take the first step. You can head on over to hover.com slash MPU and get 10% off your first purchase. So again, that's hover.com slash MPU for 10% off your first purchase. And thanks to hover for their support of the show and all of relay FM.
1: So Casey, at what point did you find or look at YouTube and say, Hey, I want to do that.
2: <laughs> uh, I I don't know actually that's a really good question. Um, so a friend of mine, uh, Sam Abelsamed, who is uh, one half of the Wheel Bearings podcast, through various random events, got me in behind the wheel of an Alfa Romeo Julia, which is this this particular uh, a copy of the Julia is like an eighty thousand dollar Alfa Romeo. That's that's extremely fast and extremely rare and. I knew I wanted to do something with it and and I felt like I wanted to do more than just a blog post. And so I thought, you know, my favorite TV show for the longest time, and it was, and sometimes still is uh, top gear, which is a BBC show that is ostensibly about cars, but is arguably more about the hosts and the, the silly things they do than anything else. And I will never be able to do top gear because they have a budget of a gazillion dollars and, you know, they have these phenomenal production values, but there are other you know, popular YouTubers that, that review cars and they don't have that different a budget from me and they don't have teams of 50 people filming. You know, Sometimes it's just them. So could I do that? I, I feel like I could do that. And so for that very first video, I tried to put together something that was not entirely embarrassing. And I don't think the content of the video was too bad. The production quality was real rough. Uh, I was using my AirPods as a microphone, which sounded truly terrible. Um, I forget exactly what cameras I had at the time. I think I was just using my iPhone for, uh, or not, not, uh, sorry, not an iPhone F-O-U-R, an iPhone F-O-R uh, doing the filming. Uh, on, on the outside of the car, I think I was using an old borrowed GoPro inside the car. And so production value-wise, it was not very good. And in, in some cases, hard to watch or at the very least hard to listen to. But I like to think that content wise the spirit of it was was indicative that that i had something there and that there was a thread worth pulling on and and i think i've done 4 videos now if i'm not mistaken i think that's right um and i have a couple other that i filmed for but have not edited yet and I, like i said earlier i like to think that the production values are clearly going way up uh at least through the 4 i've done and hopefully uh you know even if i've plateaued i've plateaued in a position where it's it It's not uncomfortable to watch anymore, but it's just one of those things where everyone seemed to be getting into YouTube. Well, many of whom did so years ago, but like Mike had been dabbling with doing some vlogging on YouTube and I had been paying more and more attention just as a consumer to what's been going on on YouTube. And so I thought let me see what this world is about and and try to diversify myself not just not necessarily financially but just from a creative point of view diversify myself away from just podcasting and see what came of it and as it turns out i really really enjoy it it does not come easy and it's very hard and and i'm not good at it all in all but i really 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 enjoy doing it and so i hope to stick with it and maybe even make a few bucks from it at some point.
1: Yeah. You know, I get emails all the time from people who say, well, I want to make a podcast. How do I make a successful podcast or, you know, you know, any of this stuff I do. And, and, and I always tell them, look, I never do any of this stuff with the idea of being successful at it. Uh, for me, all this stuff I do is something I just have to get out of my system. It's, the Mac Power Users exists because I really wanted a show like this and there wasn't one. And I get that feeling watching you with your car videos. I feel like this is something you would do regardless.
2: Yeah, oh, very much so. And I mean, I, I it, in the last, I don't know, couple of months, I have gotten to the point where I've gotten enough views and enough subscribers that I can actually earn money from Google. And I looked it up, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, and I think, I have, I have earned something like $60 from YouTube in, the, in my entirety of my YouTube career. And I have not actually received any of those checks. Mind you, I don't think I've even hit the minimum to, for them to deposit money in my checking account at this point, but nevertheless, that's more than zero, which is super cool. And you know, that's a, that's a couple of cheap fast food meals. That's nice for the family, you know, but, but by no means, am I justifying like buying myself a drone for example, or anything like that, but Uh, It's exactly right. It's, it's an itch that, that I wasn't able to scratch any other way. And I need, I need this itch to be scratched and I don't need to do it every week. And although I would love to, I think that would be just too much work and I'm nowhere near efficient enough at it yet. But I, I hope to be able to do it as I get better at it, like once a month. And I am not at that point yet, but I'm hoping to get closer to that over time.
1: Well, I'm sure there's some listeners out there that have watched some of your videos or, or are going to, and I'll tell you some of the production values I think are really really good for you know someone who's you're relatively an amateur as you're coming into this stuff. Um, and one of the things I think you do very well with your your um, videos is you get good audio, which I think is so key to making good video and you've got this challenge of doing it in a moving car and doing it outdoors. And uh, can you share some of your gear and your workflows with us for getting good audio because there's whether you're making a car video or just chasing your kid around a playground that's something that I think people could could use.
2: Yeah, very much so. So, uh over the videos, I don't think my equipment has been exactly the same across any two videos, but the current setup is uh, for audio, I'm using a Samson Go Mic Mobile, which is basically a, a lavalier mic and then a, re- a wireless lavalier mic, um, or I should say a lavalier mic that's wired into like a belt pack that is then wireless, and then a receiver. And it actually has the receiver has lightning out on it. And so you plug that into your iphone and that actually will record or you can use that to record the audio i use an app called Authonic a-u-p-h-o-n-i-c because that lets me control gain and makes lets me ensure that i'm using the digital in from from the lavalier mic in order to record the audio and i do that on just an old iphone that we had laying around i think this is an iphone 6s which is actually not that old but anyways um, the point is that i just do that on a on a second phone for any of the exterior shots that I'm doing, I'm, I do that on whatever my current iPhone is, which is currently my iPhone 10. That being said, uh, in the last week or so, I have just upgraded my... A big camera from an omd em10 mark I, which only shot 1080 video to an omd em10 mark 3 which does indeed shoot 4k video so going forward all the exterior shots will probably be done on my big camera i will still record audio the same way onto the iphone and then you can sync them up later in final cut pro 10 which we can talk about if that's interesting but in terms of in-car stuff I have. I was. I was gifted a GoPro Hero Six Black, which shoots in 4K, that I use for my primary camera in the car, and then I'll typically have a second camera going for kind of. Um, I don't like establishing shots or or wide shots of either me or the road or what have you. And that's a that's a GoPro Hero Three that was also a hand me down. Uh, when I am using my iPhone to film, I'm using uh, Studio Neat Glyph from our dear friends at Studio Neat. Uh, I did pay for that for the record, but it's extremely cheap and it's the best iPhone tripod mount uh, that I've ever used. And then for B-roll, I use a DJI Osmo Mobile One um, gimbal. Uh, They have since come out with, in fact, just a week or two after I bought my Osmo Mobile One, they came out with the Osmo Mobile Two, which is both better and cheaper. Um, But basically what this does is it allows me to strap my phone into this gimbal and it will even out a lot of the uh, shaking and, and movement that I'll do just because I'm a human being. And it's, it's kind of like a poor man, steady cam, if you will. Um, and that's basically the suite that I'm using the hardware suite. And then as I briefly mentioned before, I'm sucking the soul into final cut pro 10, uh, in trying to make heads or tails of it as best I can.
1: So now are you doing these as multi-camera shoots? I mean, have you got all these cameras going at once?
2: Some of them. So generally speaking, um when I'm out when I'm standing outside the car doing like kind of narration, um, or if I'm just shooting B roll or uh you know, anything that isn't me actively driving, I treat that as single camera almost exclusively. But when I'm in the car, like I'd mentioned briefly earlier, I try to run both GoPros and flip back and forth between them as appropriate and also just to keep interest. And so those segments are multicam which actually uh, you know I have I've never actually edited a podcast. I've been a podcaster for 5 years. I it's now Basically, my profession by any reasonable metric, but I've never had to edit a podcast. I've always just been a host and, and the editing has always been done by something else. And so Final Cut Pro is the first time I've ever really done this kind of like, you know, timeline and, and editing and any of this stuff. I've never really used Logic or GarageBand before, which is what you would typically use for a podcast. And I was really scared of it, but as it turns out, Final Cut Pro is surprisingly approachable to get the basic things done. Once you start doing esoteric stuff, it can get real ugly real quick. But for basic stuff, even including syncing audio and even including uh, syncing multicam uh, video, it's actually surprisingly easy to do. So when I record my audio, I just make sure that the video camera is recording some audio for the purposes of syncing it up when it gets sucked into Final Cut Pro... And then I have this Auphonic app on my on this iPhone recording the lavalier audio. And what I just make sure I do is before I start, you know, once I start both the camera and the uh, sound recorder rolling, I make sure I do one clap so that there's something obvious for the software to sync on. And then I just do my thing and then I can just bring it all together in post, which is really tremendous. It's, it's, it's exceptionally easy. In fact, I don't think I've ever had to tweak the timing once Final Cut Pro has done what it thought was best to sync up the audio and the video. The same story with the multi-camera. Um, it is it is stunningly easy to get these multi-cam clips lined up. And I think, in fact, they might use audio to do that as well. But nevertheless, it is just a few clicks to get that all lined up. And, it, and especially in the case of multi-cam, I feel like that adds. An, an air of professionalism even though it may or may not actually be deserved but it, it looks much more professional when you have multiple cameras running even if one of those cameras is 1080 and the other is 4k which is the case and which is what what i'm working with here uh it still just looks way more professional that way
1: you know we we had wally cherminski on the show a few years ago and it, it is even easier now to do this but wally kind of talked through the whole process but you know if you're listening to this we're coming up on the holidays Let's say that you have a Christmas tree and you have a bunch of little kids. Um, why not put an iPad on a tripod and maybe, you know, your spouse's iPhone, you know, against a book on the table, giving you a wide shot of the room and then carry around your iPhone. And then you've got three different takes on the madness that is, you know, the Christmas morning. And then you just go in that you would have to spend money on Final Cut. You can do it in... Um, in iMovie but it's only two shots you can only do two cameras and as as i understand it but if you want to spend a couple hundred bucks and get yourself a copy of Final Cut man it is crazy how much better of a movie you can make when you just put a couple extra cameras in the room
2: yeah and that's another thing that's great about the GoPro you know before i started doing this YouTubing stuff I I didn't really understand what the point of a GoPro was. Like yes, I understand they're more rugged and, you know, you don't want to strap a phone to the exterior of the car, which I have done with GoPros. But by and large, I felt like the the iPhone was eating GoPro's lunch. And now I have a whole new appreciation for them because not only are they extremely small, but they're very versatile. So, as an example, I've I've never posted this video publicly and I don't plan to, but the other day, my two kids were in, were in my son's Power Wheels, and he was driving my daughter around, and the two of them were riding around, and it occurred to me, wait a second, I have a GoPro. I have a suction cup mount for the GoPro. I bet I can suction cup the GoPro to the top, to the hood of the Power Wheels, and just let them drive around and film them driving around, and that's exactly what <laughs> I did, and it is magnificent. This This video is hilarious, because it's just the two of them doing circles around our house, but it's from a perspective you would never normal, you would never be able to see normally. And especially because I wasn't, you know, inches away from them the whole time. I got to hear their conversation, you know, to the best that a four year old in a, you know, 10 month old can have a conversation, but you could see the interaction between the two of them. And it is just magical. And it's the same thing, you know, in Christmas morning or whatever the case may be, you can hang a GoPro off of an interior window, you know, and just point it at the room, like David was saying. And you'd be surprised the quality of the video you can get from that. And in many cases, the audio as well. And it's, they're extremely versatile little little devices. And I think the, the Hero 6, if I had paid for it, I think was like $300, which is for sure a lot of money, but you're getting... A a professional camera. Like I was watching um, The Rookie with Nathan Fillion, which is, I think, an NBC show. It's a network television show. And you can tell that a lot of the cameras that they're using on this network television show are GoPros that they just put in a case, you know, so you can't tell that. It doesn't look like a GoPro at a, at a glance, but you can tell from the proportions of everything and where the lens is. You can tell that that's just a GoPro, man. That's that, that's a network television for goodness' sake. So if it's good enough for them, I feel like it's good enough for your Christmas videos and my silly YouTube <laughs> videos as well. You know?
1: Yeah. Another f- the fun thing with a GoPro, like you can't give an iPhone to a four year old, but I did that to my kid when she was little. I gave her it was a flip camera. If if you know what those are. Oh, yeah.
2: yep, 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 and yep.
1: And she just walked around the house with the flip camera and narrated her own video. She spent about 10 minutes talking about light switches. <laughs> she was like four years old. <laughs> That's awesome. And it's my favorite video. Give, give the GoPro to your son this year, four years old. Let him just walk around and tell him to do, make a video about your Christmas decorations. And just you guys will love that forever.
2: <laughs> no, it's so true. And, and you know, the, the gimbal is also applicable there as well, because there's no way to be using a gimbal in public and not look like a weirdo, but the difference it makes over even the onboard stabilization on, on the iPhone, on my big camera, I mean, it takes a bumpy video from being unwatchable to being almost perfect. A great example of this is uh, in the Halloween time, we love to go on, uh, to go and pick our own pumpkins. And the particular place we go You take a hayride on the back of a tractor or on a trailer, you know, being towed by a tractor off to the pumpkin patch. And it is this this dirt road that's got ruts everywhere and it's bumpy as anything. And I have in years past tried to freehand use my iPhone to take video. And those videos I just throw away by the time I try it every year and every year I throw it away because they're just unwatchable. You know, they're they're just so bumpy and terrible. But when you have a gimbal, suddenly these videos are not only watchable, but look great because the gimbal is offsetting all of the uh, motion of the of the pay ride. And so these toys that I've gotten for myself for the excuse me, this production equipment I've gotten for myself for my YouTube videos have actually been come in handy as stuff that I use for the family, which is really awesome and something I did not expect at all.
0: Now, wasn't there an issue at one point, uh, and I think it's since been resolved by an update, but where if you were using a gimbal, it kind of sometimes conflicted with the iPhone stabilization?
2: Yeah, you know, maybe my eye just isn't discerning enough to really understand what the problem is there. I know of what you speak, but I never really saw anything on my videos that indicated that it was happening. But Marco and John, I think especially Marco, did notice that that was a thing. So. I, I, I'm i not sure if it's been resolved or not, but uh, it is it is a problem if you're super discerning. And the, the fact of the matter is, I'm just not super discerning and and I haven't really heard many complaints about it, except from extremely discerning individuals. And so I think the answer is if i really do get tr- well not that i'm not serious about the YouTubing but if it if it becomes if it gets to the point that i'm throwing real money at this quote unquote problem then what i would probably do is get an equivalent DJI gimbal but for my big camera cuz they make gimbals that'll hold like DSLRs and i'm sure they're expensive and they're certainly physically very big and you know they have to be because these cameras are not small but Nevertheless, that's what I would probably do is start filming with my big camera in an equivalent gimbal, and that would just eliminate the problem altogether.
1: But, you know, DJI also now makes its own camera on it. It, as part of the gimbal, they,
2: that's true. Yeah, I I've seen that, and I'd forgotten.
1: And it's like three hundred bucks. It's crazy how inexpensive it is.
2: Yeah. So basically, what it is is, as far as I understand anyway, it's one of the one of the camera modules and associated gimbal out of their drones, and their drones are. Unreal. I was lucky enough to borrow one from a listener uh, for about a month, uh, a couple of months ago, and I had never really played with a drone before. And I could spend three hours telling you about how awesome this thing was. It was a Mavic Pro, the the original Mavic Pro. So it's a couple of years old now. And the video that came out of this thing was phenomenal. In fact, I posted a little bit of it to Instagram uh, a month or so ago, and I'll try to make sure that that link is in the show notes. And granted, it's on Instagram, so the quality doesn't look near as good as it would otherwise, You know, if you were looking at the original source of material. But I assure you, this video was phenomenal. And it was steady as can be, despite there being heavy winds and the drone was whipping all over the place and so on and so forth. But anyway, uh, they, they have this thing, I forget the name of it, but just like David said, it's it's basically that that drone camera module, but on this little teeny tiny stick that, that is extremely portable, but it's still a four K video camera. And so yeah, I've forgotten about that. That's probably an even more correct answer is to just get one of those and use that for any time I would be using a gimbal otherwise.
1: This episode of the Mac Power Users is sponsored by Text Expander. The easiest way to start automating your work on the Mac, iPad, and iPhone. Text Expander is a text replacement tool. With it, you can type a phrase like CCELL and it will automatically fill in your cell phone number. But Text Expander is so much more than that. Text Expander brings a lot of power to the text automation game, including team support. I'm a Text Expander for Team subscriber myself. Using Text Expander, my team supporting the field guides is able to get quick responses to customer inquiries with the exact and right information. Imagine if all your customer support team could use a common bank of snippets, written and edited by your best writers, and shared with everyone on your team. Not only that, you can update the snippets at any time, and they automatically populate to everyone. I've done so much with Text Expander over the years that I even have a page of snippets over at maxsparky.com, at maxsparky.com te snippets. Whether you wanna capture meeting notes better or just say thank you to someone in whatever language they speak or run your entire customer support team, Text Expander has a solution for you. Text Expander is one of the best ways of getting yourself started in automation for the Mac, iPad, or iPhone. They've got some great tools in there that allow you to do things from simple to complex. It's a very easy learning curve. I made a bunch of videos there for free over at the textexpander.com website. And like I said, it's just a great way to get yourself started if you want a little help with automation. Uh, go over to TextExpander.com slash podcasts, download TextExpander today, and let them know you heard about it here on the Mac Power Users. So, Casey, it's been a few years since we've had you on. What are some of your favorite apps and utilities you're using these days?
2: Yeah, I don't recall what I said last time, but there's not really anything that new, I don't think. Um I would say, in terms of iOS or you know cross-platform stuff, uh, I really, I really, really love Day One, which is a journaling app, and Day One is one of those things that. It, it can be what, it, it will be what you make of it. So you could treat it as a diary. You could treat it as a log. So like I keep a work log of the things I do each day, which I don't really know why I do it, but it makes me feel better to know I'm writing down the things that I've done for work each day. Um, I keep family stuff in day one. One of my favorite uses of day one is when I'm traveling and I don't necessarily want to check in publicly to places, but I want to remember that, you know, I went to this restaurant or that place or so on and so forth. So for example, you know, when, when David and I were in London together this past summer for Mike Hurley's wedding, I wanted to be able to check into the restaurants I ate at and into into the uh, different attractions I went to. But I didn't want to do that publicly. I just wanted to have a record of it for myself. And day one is great for that sort of thing. So I really love day
1: one. One uh, password. Before you before I move on, I just want to talk about day one a little bit because I, I am really starting to appreciate that app more as well. And I just want to get a couple. So are you making separate um, logs for all these different things you do with the app? So basically, I have two
2: journals, which is the parlance in in day one. And one of them is my work log. And so that's completely separated from the family journal, which was my default journal, and the only journal I had up until recently. And what I do in the family journal is I'll use tagging, not terribly aggressively, but enough. So I'll tag a trip. So I do don't have it open in front of me, but I'll stall for time while it opens. Um, you know, I'll do like California 2018 for when I, or WWDC 2018, for example, when I, when I go to WWDC each year. And I'll tag all of, my, uh, all of the stuff that I do at DubDub, Dub, all the posts I make at DubDub Dub with that tag. Um, in the case of, of Mike Hurley's wedding, I made a tag Europe 2018. And so it appears that there happens to be thirty-three entries that I made during the time that we were in Europe, and then for the kids, I have a tag for when I mention either of them. And this isn't automated; you know, you have to actually add the tag yourself. But I have a tag for my son, and I have a tag for my daughter. And anytime I mention them, or if it's a photo that's in the in the entry that that they appear in, then I will tag both of them in that in that entry. So let's say, for example, that i 'm writing an entry about how my son did something really adorable, and there 's a pin and the, the entry the text of the entry doesn 't involve my daughter at all, but the picture that I, so, that I put on that entry has her in it for some reason then i 'll tag both of them on that entry, and that makes it super easy to find them after the fact. And that's that's what I love about day one is just having this record of stuff that that in the heat of the moment may be memorable. But especially for me, I have a terrible memory and I love going through day one and they have an on this day feature, kind of like a time hop esque. like this. These are the things you've recorded on this day in past years on, you know, on, on December 3rd of past years, for example. And and that's a really awesome way to rediscover memories that I've already forgotten, even from just a year ago.
1: You know, every time this comes up on the show, uh, and this was also a challenge for me for a while, is people say, I want to do that. I think that sounds great. I find it really difficult to find the time to stop and do my Ernest Hemingway impression and write, you know, um, about the day. How how are you getting that done?
2: Some of it is by brute force. And by that, I mean, I'm just forcing myself to be better about it. Um, In the case of trips, what I've come to do is day one, if you'll allow it to, will kind of keep a record of where you go throughout the day based on what it sees your phone doing. And so it'll say, well, we think from about one until about two, you're at such and such location, and it'll give you a street address. And then you can optionally create an entry from that From that event, if you will. And then you can search for, you know, the restaurant name that that was near that address, and it should presumably find the restaurant that you were at. And you can make an entry for the lunch that, you know, that I had with David Sparks at WWDC on Thursday or something like that. And so what I try to do is at the end of each day, as I'm, you know, settling down and getting ready to go to sleep. I try to go through that activity log as I think what they call it on iOS. I try to go through that activity log and take note of all the different things we did that day. And even if it's just quick one-liners enough to get me so I can go back after the trip and remember it, then that's what I'll do. And I don't necessarily make long and verbose posts. A lot of my posts are simply pictures and a title or maybe a pictures title and like a geolocation and and nothing else. Um, And so I try to do that for stuff when i'm on a trip but day to day when i'm just doing regular family stuff it is a lot harder and day one will optionally send you a push notification every evening at a time that you can specify and say hey you know you've been to x locations today you know do you want to make any notes from those and typically i ignore that but from time to time i try to think to myself oh you know uh you know, my son did something really adorable at, at, at breakfast today. Let me make an entry for that real quick or whatever the case may be. And, the, and, and also just in the heat of the moment, if you if you find yourself or if I find myself really saying, "aw," like that's a cue that maybe i should record that in day one because that awe that is adorable today will be a long forgotten memory in my case tomorrow and so i'm trying to just do a better job about being more proactive about putting data into it but yeah it's tough it's tough to get into it and it's tough and it's i don't feel like it's a daunting app but there's many nooks and crannies to it so it's it could it, it, it is easy to be overwhelmed by it, but you it's it's like I said earlier, it's as much or as little as you make of it. So don't be overwhelmed and and it and their sync has been pretty darned reliable for me. So um, it is to me, it is worth the money in the same way that. I would never want to lose my photos and I will pretty much pay all of my money in order to get my photos backed up as many ways as possible. This is the, the other half of, of that. You know, I, I, will, I will pay day one whatever they need, need me to pay them in order to make sure that I never lose these memories.
1: The, um, I bet you really like it on your iPad, too.
2: Yeah, very much so. I mean, it's, the, the Mac app is great and the iOS apps, I would argue, are even better.
1: Something that I've been doing with it, and Katie, I know. Well, I'll, I'll move on. Just one last point on day one is uh, the the captain's log entries. You know, now you can record. If you have a paid account, you can actually just record your voice into it. Then it runs the iOS transcription engine against it. It, it is remarkably good. I'm just I've actually that.
2: tried that. I'll try have to it. try
1: that. Try it.
0: That's super awesome. Casey, a funny thing happened Uh, a couple of years ago. You and I both posted blog posts on the exact same day that I think maybe had the same title, but if not, they were the (laughs) the same topic and that they were both talking about this idea of a go bag. Uh, I've talked about mine on the show before. Um, you have talked about yours, I think on ATP and you, so this is a topic that I'm very interested in because at the time that I posted mine originally, um, I was going through an issue in my family where, um, I at any given time would end up having to leave because I had a a family member who was, who was quite ill and I was, you know, kind of waiting to get the call and then I would get the call and I would have to, you know, grab a bag and be gone for, um, you know, hope hours and, and sometimes longer. And so I had this idea of a go bag for a technology where, within just a few minutes, I could grab everything and be out the door and be ready to go. And it's it's a good thing to have whether you're getting started for a trip or, or something else. Um, and you just recently updated your Go Pack uh, 2018 edition. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit uh, about that because it's it's a something that's very near and dear
2: to my heart. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just as you said, I. I was never really a Boy Scout. I, I did a year of Cub Scouts. But, but one thing that I gleaned from that brief window of time is that I, I like being prepared for things. I think it's just my nature is I'm, I'm very type A you know, and, and I just like having a plan. And it occurred to me as, as I'm carrying more and more devices uh, you know, I, with more and more charging requirements, it is convenient to have a single bag that I can grab at a moment's notice and know that everything I need to charge all my devices is in that bag. Now, I've been lucky enough that I almost never have to leave the house on a moment's notice. But it doesn't really negate the point that it's useful to have a bag that has all your essential cables and cords and dongles and bits and bobs that you can grab at any moment and know that everything is in there. And, and that's the key is knowing everything is in there. And if you've ever had to disconnect something from your bedside table to put it in your suitcase and then reconnect it when you get home, you know how inconvenient that is. And if you're anything like me, how, how fraught that is, because I, I have a terrible memory. And even with lists, I often think that I've packed something that I haven't, or haven't packed something I thought I had. And I check something off too soon by accident. And it's just a recipe for disaster. So I have a go pack, which All told, I've spent a couple hundred dollars on the contents of it, which is an obscene amount of money, but it is everything I need, very little more than that, and absolutely nothing less than that. And so in this pack, and I have a blog post, which is what Katie was referring to, that goes through what's in it, I talk about all the different things that are in this bag, and this bag, it is... The sanctity of this bag is paramount, and I will never, ever, ever remove anything from this bag unless I am absolutely desperate. When I'm at home, I mean. I will never remove anything from this bag unless I'm desperate. And all of these things are duplicates of things that I use around the house. So all the lightning cables that are in this bag live in this bag. They never leave it all of the usb extensions that are in this bag live in this bag. If i need usb extensions somewhere else, then i buy other ones. And in some cases that, you know, some of these things can get very expensive, particularly the apple dongles. Uh, the first party apple dongles can be very expensive, but it's wonderful to have this stuff always available at a moment's notice, not have to go running around the house to go fetch it. So, i presume Katie you've looked through this. Do you have uh, any critiques you would like to share on the contents <laughs> of my pack?
0: Um, I I like your pack. Uh, I noticed your um, your anchor five port thing that you have. It's it doesn't charge USB C. Have you are you upgrading to one because how do you charge your adorable with this pack?
2: So the Adorables charger is the one exception to the rule that, that I do not have a separate one that lives in the pack for it. Um, I think the rightest answer is to get one of the Anchor things, as you're implying, that does USB-C and USB-A. The problem I have, though, is that I generally have five devices that are USB-A that I want to charge. And to the best of my knowledge, Anchor does not have a six-port Charger that has one USB C port, or even preferably a seven port, I guess, if I'm talking iPad and MacBook. But nevertheless, a six port charger where there's one USB C and five USB A. And so, because of that, I've just been using the MacBook Adorable charger for iPad and/or MacBook, and then this thing for everything else. But the problem is, I have, you know, typically I'm traveling with Aaron, my wife, and so we have two iPhones. We have two Apple Watches and my AirPods that more often than not I want to charge all simultaneously, and because of that, I need at least five USB A ports, and that's that's where the rub is. If if Anchor sold what I have today plus one USB C port, I would give them all of the money, and I would buy it immediately.
0: So one possible solution and one possible upgrade to your to your bag, it it's not. Perfect. But, you know, as with anything, you're going to trade, you know, speed versus convenience and in, in those types of things. I have discovered, I think John Gruber initially turned me on to them and I found Anchor and a couple of other companies will make a, um, a, a USB to um, USB micro um, cable that then has a lightning tip on it so you can you can pull the lightning tip off and then put the lightning tip on and and they're attached so it, it kind of just looks like a little a little add-on clip thing and then when USB-C became a thing they then also added a, a cable that has a second a, a second little spider prong to it so the thing the thing looks a little unwieldy when it's when it's all unfurled because it's a it's a USB-A to micro USB And then it also has a lightning tip and a USB-C tip. So you have this one cable that can do USB-A to USB-C to micro USB and to lightning. And now I've got this one magic cable that can charge anything that I have. Now, granted, it's not gonna be at the fastest speeds because it's not um, rated for that, but just about anything I have will charge overnight plugged into that. And so I've put one of these now, I've ordered a bunch of them in all of my travel bags, and in a pinch, I can get anything I need. It's a, it's, it's charged, depending on the charger. It's going to be slow, particularly with the MacBook Pro. But I can get anything I need charged. It, it may not be fast, but it's going to charge, particularly if I leave it overnight.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think I, there are going to be a few of those in my future. I, that, and that, I'm in this... Yeah, man, you guys the struggle. The struggle is so real. I'm in this uncomfortable position where I'm starting to move to a USB-C lifestyle, but I have so much USB-A stuff that's still hanging around. So, so in a perfect world, money no object, I'd probably want like a 6-port USB-C charger and kind of go the other direction if that makes sense. So, go go USB-C out of the charger and if I have to go to lightning or if I have to go to micro USB or whatever the case may be, then that would be the anomaly, you know, rather than having this USB a centered world, move to a USB C centered world, but I'm not quite there yet. And so I'm kind of in this weird place where I need a little bit of both and yeah, I'll probably end up getting at least a couple of those cables just to get me in a pinch. Just like you said.
0: Well and I think you're not quite there and and you are obviously the exception not the rule as I would imagine our most people listening to this show but I don't think the world's going to be there for a long time because think of, think think about all the USB A ports everywhere out there in the world they're they're on airplanes they're at restaurants they're in hotel rooms I mean everywhere you look to have an option to plug in somewhere they're they're in our cars and how many people? I mean, I just talked about I. I replace my car every sixteen years. Now, granted, my car didn't have a USB A USB-A port in it. Period. I that was an aftermarket. <laughs> uh, that was an aftermarket add on. But, um, you know, people aren't going to have USB C. We're even if that is adopted, it's it's going to take a while to figure out. Okay, this USB C thing is is the thing we're going to adopt and move on to, and then it's going to be years before it's it's adopted. I mean, I still go into a hotel room and see thirty pin. You know, um, uh, what are those 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 little clock radio docks?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 a long it's a long tail to 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 move the world on for for each of these. So, yeah, I, I think I will probably be on maybe not the bleeding edge, but on the earlier side for going into the whole, the entirely USB-C lifestyle. But like you said, I, I just don't think we're there yet.
1: But I do think you make a really good point. That is having, you know, pay it, pay a few dollars if you've got it to have a bag that you can take with you and never remove the cables from the bag. And you will never have the problems that so many of us do of getting somewhere and not having what you need.
2: Yeah and again it's not it's not free by any stretch of the imagination like especially the dongles I I mean the lightning cables are not terribly expensive especially if you're willing to do like Amazon basics or monoprice or something like that but in particular the dongles like the apple anything that apple does that has hdmi involved is is heinously expensive but to me it was well worth the money to make sure that I have exactly what I need or could possibly want while traveling and know that they are, they exist in that bag and they will never leave that bag unless they're going on a trip, you know, and I'm using them on a trip and, and, And again, you might feel differently, listener or host, but for me, I, I just can't stress enough. It has made my life, my traveling life so much easier and so much less stressful knowing that I have exactly what I need in that one bag and it will always be there.
0: Well, and here's another take on it for for someone who's on the fence about whether they need to do this or even wants a a second option. Um, I do have a go bag that I I keep kind of with my my travel stuff and in in my technology closet. I have also, over the years, created, I have two, and I'm about to make up a third, uh, mini go bags. And, you know, your mileage may vary as to whether you need even one or even multiple of these. But in my mini-go bag, and I'm going to have to modify this a little bit, I think, now that um, things are, I'm split between the Lightning and the USB-C world. But my mini-go bag, um, I use a, a a small, you know, whenever you buy uh, makeup, they they will give you like a, a sample of something and you can usually get a small cosmetic bag that comes with it. So it's it's a very small bag. It's maybe like, um, you know, three or four inches by like two inches, but it's a teeny tiny bag. And in there, I put a uh, a very small battery charger. I put one of these um, multi-tip. I used to just have the uh, USB to micro USB and now I, I, I'm replacing it with these other cables to lightning um, that, that have the three tip chargers. I usually put a short cable in there and then I, I have one of these uh, really small um, uh, wall outlets that's the same size as the Apple 5 watt outlet but actually has a foldable plug so it folds down smaller and it will do oh. it will do um, the, the one the, the higher the one point is it one point uh, two amps. The, the that will charge a a regular iPad not a not a not an iPad Pro but at full speed and then I put a pair of because I've got earbuds that multiply I put a pair of earbuds in there so no matter where I am I've got the ability to plug into to the wall to charge I've got an extra battery and I've got uh, headphones and then I've got a cable that will connect all of those things and that bag probably cost me twenty five dollars or less to put together. And so I take that bag. I've got, and it's very small. I keep one in my purse. I keep one in my briefcase. And I'm about to make up a third just to keep in my in the glove box of my car.
2: You know, it's funny you bring this up. What were you saying early in the show about kindred spirits? So th- it's getting loud in the background because I'm grabbing my laptop bag, which was across the room. So. In my laptop bag, which can work for either my iPad or my MacBook Adorable, since they're so close in size, I have a very small Tombin, bin. I think they call it an organizer pouch. I forget what it's, what it's actually called. But basically, it's a little teeny pouch. And in there is what I, I would never have called previously, but we'll now call my mini go Pack. <laughs> and in here, I have my uh, SD card reader, SD card, to USB-C. I have a non-folding little wall wart for the iPhone. So now I'm super jealous of your uh, folding one. I'm gonna have to look into that myself.
0: I think Aki makes it. I'll put a link in the show notes. Oh
2: Yeah, yeah please do, because I'd like to see it. I have a USB-C to USB-A converter that I think came with a, a Google Pixel charger I had bought because I had just gotten my Switch. And uh, I was a really nice charger for the switch and now is serving even more purposes. Um, I might have already said it, I apologize if I do, but I have USB c to lightning, regular USB to lightning for the purposes of charging, and then my Luna display, which i don 't believe is a sponsor of this show tonight but has sponsored other equivalent shows and it 's a little dongle that I can attach to my MacBook uh, in order to treat the iPad as an external display, and all of this lives in a little pouch that is literally clipped to the inside of my uh, of my laptop case and all of these, this, this is like my bare minimum. If I have this, I should be able to survive for many hours outside of the home bag. And again, I never would have called it a mini Go Pack previously, but I think that you and I are basically saying the exact same thing.
1: Now, now you guys need to tell us about the keychain, the the Go keychain with the, uh, the mini <laughs> USB drive, the whistle. Yeah, right. You know. I mean, come on, we gotta get we gotta get this down one more level.
2: Yeah, why not? It's just it's a matryoshka doll of uh, go backs.
1: (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, Casey, I I feel like we could talk uh, for a while. If we kept digging deeper, we, we would find much more areas of commonality. But we uh, we are kind of uh, hitting the witching hour here. So um, tell people all the places that they can find what you're up to and, and what you're doing these days so that they can follow up on their own if they'd like to.
2: Sure. So if you want to read my stuff or get links to any of the following, you can go to my website, which is CaseyList.com, C-A-S-E-Y-L-I-S-S. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Casey lists You can follow me on Instagram at Casey List. Uh, y- you can find my YouTube channel most easily by going to youtube.caseylist.com because I haven't figured out how to get a vanity URL yet because I'm an amateur. <laughs> um, my two podcasts, uh, the one that's on this very network is uh, Analog, which I do with my dear friend Mike Hurley. And um, I also do the Accidental Tech podcast with my other dear friends, uh, Marco Warman and John Syracuse. That's at ATP.fm. And I think that's pretty much it. So thank you so much, you guys, for, uh, for having me on one last time before uh, Katie rides into the sunset. It is a blast and a pleasure as always, and I very much appreciate it. Right. Well, you say one
0: last time, keep in mind that the show is going on and I'm, I'm sure Mike and Stephen <laughs> will, uh, true. will will be talking to you uh, again at some point in the future. We'll hopefully they'll try not to make it quite so, so much of a gap between the, the next time they have you on. I but, sure uh, hope so. They, they know how to find you. So. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: very much so. Well, I, I think once, you know, you start your iPad pro courses, that's when we're going to have. Of-
2: <laughs> maybe, maybe that'll be the case. I don't know. We'll see what happens, but, uh, but no, I, I appreciate it guys. Thank you so much.
0: Well, you can continue this conversation in our forums over at talk.macpowerusers.com, where uh, you can find uh, more information about this topic. Uh, And we want to thank our sponsors for this episode, Away, Hover, uh, Luna, and Smile. And we will see you all next time.